I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I'm recording first day of the new year, uh, late after the Nuggets dropped to 1-4 to open the regular season. Final score of this one was 106-103 against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, had a shot to tie it at the end. Uh, Jamal Murray didn't get off a clean look on the out-of-bounds play. Uh, But the story is that the Nuggets have now lost four of the five games that they have played, and two of them have come against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, One of them came against the Phoenix Suns, who, while they are vastly improved, uh, was not a playoff team this past year. The Nuggets are in some trouble, and I know that the players are not going to say that. They're they're definitely going to come out, and, and Jamal Murray did that after the game today. They're definitely going to come out and say, hey, we have confidence. Uh, There's no need to panic, no need to rush. We just came off a Western Conference Finals run. And they're right. They definitely are right. And they haven't had their full cast of characters in any game so far. Uh, This was Jermichael Green's first game. He debuted and hit some shots, and it was good to see. I thought he played some strong defense out there as well. Uh, Jamal Murray was out against Sacramento on, on Tuesday night. And that kind of that's kind of a big deal when your second best player is out on second night of a back to back. Michael Porter Jr. recently just went out due to COVID contact tracing. Uh, that's going to be a problem for every team, not just for young uh, players like Michael Porter Jr. Although he, I we don't know the situation, so I'm not going to prognosticate on what that situation was. But COVID protocols and contact tracing is going to happen to every single team this year, so. It sucks that it happened to Michael Porter Jr., who's probably the very most important player to play through all of their problems and to try to figure this shit out. But the Nuggets are in a tough spot. They're now down one and four, and it doesn't feel like the same team uh, with the same chemistry and the same group as there was last year. There's less confidence. Uh, there's, There's less reliability. And that is a really sad thing to say. Uh, first segment, we're going to talk about this game. Second segment, the, the title of this podcast is going to be Second Choices and Second Chances. Uh, I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to hop on. Didn't ask anybody to get on with me. Uh, I just wanted to hop on and and talk to the people for a little bit. Because the Nuggets are they're, they're in a spot. And we deserve a podcast after this game. So, second segment will be about Second Choices. And the third segment will be about second chances. And that's going to be, I think, the theme for this year, in my opinion. Uh, It's not always the choice that you make. It's the choice that you're given. And 
the Nuggets are they're they're in a difficult spot because of the choices that others folks made, and they're they're trying to give second chances to folks that probably need a second, third, and fourth chance right now. So we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out together. First segment. Let's go. Let's recap this game. Uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. They start off this game really, really well. Perfect synergy. Uh, Murray was five for five to start this game. He was absolutely on fire. Uh, Nikola Jokic was diming him up every single which direction. Uh, those two, especially against the Phoenix Suns, which it's it's great to see. It's it's great to see uh, Murray come out and he plays like Michael Jordan when he's against the Phoenix Suns. Um, he looked great out there and continued that throughout the game, which is what you want to see. Um, I think he had 14 points in the first quarter, which means he had 17 points the rest of the way. Uh, that's a good proportion. Even if you have a hot quarter, if you only have 17 for three quarters, if you average that out, it means you probably get up to 23 to 24. So if he's at that point consistently, the the worry is that if you drop off and you have 14 in the first and then six the rest of the way. So good to see him put that together and do so effectively. The tone of the game really began to change at the start of the second quarter. I thought the starters did a good job of setting the table. Uh, they they played a long stretch. Uh, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, they they played a long stretch as well. Uh, then the start then the starters started to file out. Bench started to file in, and that's really where the the tide was turned because the clip or not the Clippers. That's Chris Paul's old team, uh, old old team actually. Old old old. Good lord, he's been on a lot of teams lately. Um. The tone of this game really started to change when Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton started to go to work against uh, Facundo Capasso, Monte Morris, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, Jermichael Green. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein also was in that stretch for a little bit, but the bench unit is an issue, and the Nuggets have to figure this thing out. Uh, right now, they're playing two point guards next to the player that—actually, three point guards if you count Dozier— next to the player that you want to call your primary scorer uh, in Will Barton. And he doesn't do a lot of his scoring off ball. He does it with the ball in his hands. He likes to run pick and roll. And so right now you really have four guys that you want to run pick and roll on that second unit. Compasso, Morris, Barton, and Dozier. And the offense is awful. It really is just atrocious when, when that setup is out there. It's a little bit better with Hartenstein than than when it is with Green in there. Uh, all four of those guys, they, they have to get to the rim. And they have to be able to shake free of their man if they're going to play that style. Um, I think only Dozier really can right now. Barton is struggling to get all the way to the rim in the half court. And he had an awful game tonight. That was probably one of the big one of the big takeaways for me was that it, it took until the fourth quarter for Barton really to start coming alive, and uh, the Nuggets were, were already down by too much at that point. They they needed too much from everybody else. Um, that bench unit is going to be a problem. Uh, you hope that it gets better when Porter comes back and they have their full complement of players, and they can play Dozier at the three and Barton at the two instead of uh, Dozier at the four, uh, although he does a pretty good job there, so... I think against certain teams, you can get away with it. Against the Phoenix Suns, when you're trying to make a rally, you can get away with it. Um, 
I think I prefer Porter at the four in that case, but that's not what that's not the hand that the Nuggets were dealt. Uh, that's, that's the situation that they've been given. But this team was fighting uphill for the rest of the way, and it they went into halftime. They they closed the gap a little bit. It was sixty to forty nine at half, and coming out of half, you want to start going on a run. The opposite happened because Nikola Jokic picked up three quick fouls in the span of about three and a half, four minutes. And once you get that fourth foul early in the third quarter, it was the manner in which he was getting them that was that was really tough. He had a couple of ticky-tack fouls, and then he just had a dumb contest against, uh, it was either against Bridges or, or Cam Johnson or somebody like that, but a dumb contest on the baseline in a situation that he never would have uh, he never would have had an opportunity to block a shot or, or deflect a ball or whatnot. Always going to be a foul. He's removed. Uh, Jermichael Green comes in. Uh, they play Millsap and Green together. And I think it looks pretty good, and they have some good stuff going. And then Millsap starts to foul. And then Jermichael Green starts to foul. And it, they were clear fouls. This this wasn't a situation where with those guys where the Nuggets were getting ticky-tack calls. I thought the calls against Jokic were pretty bad, but the calls in general against Millsap and Green, they were fouls. And when you get put into that situation consistently, you just handicap yourself. And the Nuggets got into the bonus so early in the third quarter that it made it almost impossible for them to come back. I can't believe that the Nuggets actually won the third quarter. They won it 29-27 because their offense was really good, and their defense would have been a lot better had they not put themselves into a really tough situation at the foul line. Um, Compazzo has this problem when he starts to get into a guy. That's the only way he knows how to play, uh, but it's a foul, and it gets the Nuggets into a, into the bonus. Hartenstein has this problem on the second unit. Um, Barton sometimes contests on the perimeter and does a really poor job of it. Harris reaches in a lot. Uh, there's a lot of situations where this team, ha- they get in their own way. And in the process of trying to make a comeback, you can't hamstring yourself by picking up quick fouls. Jokic comes back in, two minutes left in the third quarter. 30 seconds later, he immediately elbows Frank Kaminsky in the noggin. Like, it almost looked intentional, based off of the way that the game was going. And Malone challenged it on on the sheer whim that it might be overturned, but it was never going to be. Uh... Jokic picks up four fouls in the third quarter to go five on the game, and then is immediately removed. He comes back in at the seven-minute mark, but it wasn't before Jamal Murray took over. Uh, He had some assistance from Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, Isaiah Hartenstein. They did really well to get this game back into striking distance, and I thought Murray really looked like he had that killer instinct in him tonight. Uh, surprised he didn't get more shots off. It, it certainly felt like he could have. Um, Jokic comes back in at about the seven-minute mark, and the Nuggets are pretty close. They get it. They narrow it back down. Jokic is starting to roll. Uh, they're starting to play really good defense, and they finish the game with Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Nikola Jokic. So you've got Harris at the three. Barton at the four, going super, super small on the closing unit. And I thought it was the exact right call by Michael Malone. Uh, The Phoenix Suns were killing Denver, killing them by rotating the ball to the corner, uh, 
out outpassing the rotations that the Nuggets were able to make defensively. And I thought Malone did a really nice job of putting this this group back into the game. They played elite perimeter defense in the fourth quarter. Denver got some transition buckets out of it. That was a really good sign. Unfortunately, it was too little too late. Too late. And it also wasn't enough because Booker made a really tough three. CP3 hit some, hit some clutch shots as well. Uh, the three that Booker made actually was a steal by Barton that he kind of fumbled back into the play. Uh, Barton played great defense to get the ball out of Booker's hands, but he couldn't corral the ball, fumbled it back into Bar- into uh, Booker's hands, and Booker just made a dagger three uh, to put the Suns up by four. It was tough, and, and that was a really, really tough situation. CP3 also came down, hit a dagger as well. Uh, seven seconds left. Jokic hits a quick three uh, to cut the deficit to one. Um, Denver fouls CP3 goes to the line hits a couple more free throws he's clutch as hell Um, Denver has one final crack at it I'm surprised that based off of the call based off of the the play that was drawn up that was run by the players I'm surprised that Jokic didn't come to get the ball Um, it certainly felt like Murray and Jokic were too far away from the inbounds in order to make a, a really great play out of things uh, I'm not sure what the entire play call was, but I, I probably would have had Jokic come to get the ball. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, Denver drops to 1-4, and four, and the Nuggets are in a really tough situation now because they're trying to work all of these players back in. They're trying to get the chemistry right with a new group. Uh, Composo has barely played. Uh, you want him to be able to contribute. You want Jermichael Green to be a main contributor. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. just went out with with contact tracing for COVID, so he is now at a disadvantage with the chemistry of the group. This team is behind the eight ball. They're also 15th in the West. They are last in the conference right now. And Michael Malone said it best when he basically said, we suck. Uh, This team is one and four. Uh, The bottom line is we're one and four. We suck right now. That's the direct quote from Michael Malone and and he's he's wrong. They don't suck. Let's be honest. Like this team has had a couple of things go bad for them. Uh they've run into some really hot shooting teams and that hasn't really helped them. But the problem is is that all of these teams are super good. Every team is very good in the NBA. And except for the Knicks and various others. But like all of the teams in the West, as the Nuggets can attest to, they have the ability to win. And it just depends on your personnel. It depends on uh, who's playing well at the right time. And the Nuggets are going to have to get this thing together pretty soon. Because they're, they, if they're looking for seeding, if they're looking to try to be a top four seed in the West, have home court advantage throughout the playoffs, uh, if they want to be a one seed even, they're going to have to get cracking. Because they're, they're just behind the eight ball right now. And each of these games that they lose, especially the games at home, they matter. They are currently one and three at home. That's uh, it's not a great start. When we come back, we're going to talk about second choices with this Nuggets roster. We'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Denver Stiff Show, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you for tuning in on this Friday evening. Uh, it's been it's been an interesting time, and uh, the new year has me being reflective. I have my own New Year's resolutions. I'm sure that Michael Malone does too. Uh, on the Chicken Nuggets podcast, Jenna Garcia, Riley Biller, they went through some New Year's resolutions that the Nuggets players should have, and I think it's pretty apt. And there are some interesting ones in there. You should definitely check that out. Um, I want to talk about second choices because it was it was brought up to me post-game that the Nuggets were a team that wasn't very aggressive in the offseason, that they that they stood pats, that they did just kind of moves on the fringes. They let Jeremy Grant go. Let me just be the first to tell you, and I'm not the first to tell you this, let's be honest. I, I think I just need to be reminding everyone this wasn't the initial plan. This group that the Nuggets have right now, this cobbled-together team, was not who they expected to bring in. This team expected to start Jamal Murray, Drew Holiday, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Nikola Jokic. And you're already thinking to yourself, wow, no Harris, no Barton, no Millsap. The Nuggets would have converted all of those guys into one of the most talented, versatile defensive guards in Drew Holiday in the NBA. Uh, Drew's killing it right now for the Milwaukee Bucks. Surprise, surprise, he's a very good player. Uh, Jeremy Grant, who Nuggets fans have kind of unceremoniously shunned because he left Denver for in seek, seeking a bigger role. Turns out he's actually pretty good at that role, at least initially, at least five games into the year, or however many Detroit has played. I think he scored 20-plus in each of them. So he knows what he's doing. And I think it's pretty impressive what he did betting on himself. And it hasn't really translated to wins yet for Detroit, but they were a bad team. They're starting a rookie point guard. Like, it was never about wins for them. This is about developing for the future. It really screwed over the Nuggets, though, because their plan was to bring both of those guys in and insulate Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic with athletic, versatile, wing-sized players who could give Denver a leg up on the rest of the competition. Imagine Drew Holiday tonight as kind of the the secondary ball handler for when Jamal Murray wasn't in the game, they could run the Drew Holiday, Nikola Jokic pick and roll. They could really stagger what they have going on. Jeremy Grant, he would be the the power forward in a lot of these lineups where instead of playing PJ Dozier a power forward or they had Jamichael Green at center most of the time. They could have put uh, Jeremy Grant at center, and they would have run a really nice uh, floor-spacing, five-out, transition-style team 
and it would have looked really good. And I think Nuggets fans have to keep reminding themselves that this year, the Nuggets have so much turnover. They have so many players that they're trying to figure into this new system that it wasn't always going to work out at the very outset. I have to remind myself too, because I picked the Nuggets to be number one in the West. I thought that they would come out clicking. I thought that this would look a little bit better. I underestimated the impact that a small training camp would have in this situation, especially for a team coming off of the extended bubble run that they had. Like We already saw Jamal Murray, he needed a couple of games to kind of get his groove on. Now he certainly has it, uh, as evidenced by tonight and the last couple of games that he's played. But the Nuggets are in a situation where they have to figure it out. They've got to figure it out with the guys that they do have now. It's not Jeremy Grant. It's not Mason Plumley. It's not Torrey Craig. They have Jermichael Green, who's going to be helpful. I think we saw a lot of a lot of interesting things from Jermichael Green tonight. He played defense against DeAndre Ayton. He was physical with him. Uh, he was a stretch five for the Nuggets on that bench unit when Isaiah Hartenstein wasn't out there. Uh, he was three of three, two of two from the three-point line. And I think that's going to be really helpful for the Nuggets. Uh, eight points, four rebounds, two assists. He did have three turnovers. I think he had two offensive fouls, if I'm not mistaken, screening fouls. Uh, kind of BS calls. Let's be, let's be honest. I know I said that some of them were good, but the the refs were on one tonight. It was it was pretty evident. Um, and then it's not just Jermichael Green, Isaiah Hartenstein. He was a G League guy and kind of in and out of the Houston rotation for a reason. If you're a bench center, you have to be so good at what you do and so consistent at what you do to stick in a rotation that it's so like it's so easy to find guys that are good in some stretches and not in others or or they're they're inconsistent. They're like Hartenstein, they he might foul a little bit too much. Hartenstein missed a key free throw today. Uh, I thought he was really good in, in helping bring the Nuggets back, but the Nuggets also only won the rebounding battle by one tonight when 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 Hartenstein was out there against like Frank Kaminsky and even Aiton and guys like that. He didn't rebound as well as he could have. Uh, the entire team didn't rebound as well as they could have. So, in a tough spot, trying to figure it out. Facundo Campasso is minus 37 in his 33 minutes as a Denver Nugget so far. And that's probably the toughest thing, because he is trying to get adjusted from Real Madrid, uh, playing Argentinian national team. Uh, he was the star player for his group, uh, for, his, for his team, both of his teams, and was excellent, excellent abroad. Uh, and his size wasn't as impactful in the Euro Bass, in the Euro League, because it was more technical. The game is always more technical as opposed to physical, like it is in the NBA today. It's less ISO-driven uh, in the Euro League. It's more team play. But we saw tonight that Chris Paul went at Facundo Campasso just relentlessly in the second quarter. Every single time that he had Campasso on him, he went to isolate on him. And every single time he was successful. Uh, it's too bad because I think that obviously Chris Paul is a tough matchup for everybody. But in terms of players that you would like Campasso to guard, 
uh, a 5'11", six foot, whatever he is, Chris Paul, that's that's a guy that you would hope that he could hound. That's a guy that you would hope he could bother. Uh, the fact that Camposo couldn't do it tonight, it's a really tough thing. So Denver's Denver's trying to get adjusted to that. They're trying to figure out all of these new pieces, who they can who, can, who they can trust, who they can rely on, and who they may not be able to rely on. And so far, the Camposo experiment hasn't worked. It's only five games in. But Denver is in a really tough situation with the rest of their rotation because Monte Morris, he's very good. He was their backup point guard this past year. He deserves it. They just extended him. They're going to keep playing him. Um, still trying to figure out why Denver didn't go for a bench wing as opposed to, for, to a bench guard. And then P.J. Dozier. Um, Bull Bull could obviously be be in this in this case as well, but... Uh, P.J. Dozier has played pretty consistently, and I think he's been pretty consistently good in terms of his role off the bench. Uh, didn't shoot it well tonight, but he had four rebounds. He had an assist. I thought he moved the ball reasonably well. He had the worst plus-minus on the team. I think that's more of a byproduct of the other players not being on the floor versus him being on the floor himself and some of the, the configurations he's had. But... I think Denver's in a really interesting spot with him because I consider him now to be a pretty focal part of the rotation. Uh, the problem is that that makes like five or six guards that are also very important. So we're going to see how they pivot to it. We're going to see what they do. Uh, but all of these guys, not all of them, uh, some of them were the second choices for what the Nuggets had and for what they for what their vision was for this offseason. They were going to trade for Drew Holiday. They were going to re-sign Jeremy Grant. And they were going to use that versatility and athleticism to get to the promised land, to really just kick off where they were, uh, can can hide Michael Porter Jr. on, on defense a little bit more because you have a, a more defensively versatile player in Grant and, and Drew and all of those guys. Uh, it wouldn't be perfect, and there would still be growing pains because you've got some new guys that you're trying to work in. But it's a plan. It, it, w- it would have been a really good one. It was actually my favorite plan. So it's tough. Denver's in a really difficult situation, and they have to bounce back. Uh, whether they're capable of doing it is one thing that I just don't really have the answer to right now. Um, the Nuggets haven't been in a situation where their bench has been a, a ginormous weakness because they at least had players that they knew were going to be penciled in there. Uh, from past years, you had Monte Morris. Uh, let's uh, let's just use this past season. Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Tory Craig, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley. It didn't always work, but you always kind of knew what you were going to get from that group. They were either going to play teams even; they might get lucky and and get uh, some positive contribution, or they would they would be slightly negative. Right now, this bench group that the Nuggets are currently fielding is all negative. And that's a really tough thing to be. Like, the Nuggets don't have enough room uh, on the margins to be able to win those kinds of games consistently, especially if they're playing good teams, which Phoenix is a good team. Sacramento's not a good team, and it shows you how concerning it should be that Denver lost two games in a row to them, basically. But they did it, and they have to figure out with their second choices They have to figure out who they can trust, who they can rely on, 
and I'm concerned that it might take a little bit more time than everybody thought it would. When we come back, we're going to talk about second chances for some of the other current Nuggets players. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. back final segment denver stiff show ryan blackburn here going solo uh having a good time nuggets are having less of a good time than i am but i feel pretty good about where i am and and some some of the reflection that i've done as the new year has hit uh, been playing a lot of ps5 that's been enjoyable set some goals for myself that's always fun um except when you break them so haven't broken them yet but we're uh we're only one day in, so we've got plenty of time to break those goals. Don't you worry. Uh, final segment, I want to talk about second chances. The Nuggets have been... Uh, one of the things about the Nuggets franchise is that they have been notoriously uh, overconfident, is one probably the word I'll say, in their own players. Uh, they don't trade their own players for a, a package deal from other teams, uh, whether it's a star player, whether it's something akin to an upgrade. They struggle to make that change, to say goodbye to their own players because they get very caught up in, in the relationship, which is good. That's definitely not something to be frowned upon. Uh, but they also get caught up with the belief that that player will bounce back. And right now, Gary Harris is shooting 15% from three. Uh, He's three of 20 on the year through the first five games of the season. Uh, He missed a key three late in the game this time. And and the Nuggets, it it was wide open. The Nuggets were, they had to have it. They were in a situation where that would have been probably the biggest difference in the game. Uh, Gary Harris also mishandled the the layup in transition that he tried to dunk with one hand lost the ball they the refs initially called a foul but it wasn't a foul Gary just lost it and the Nuggets had the jump ball and it was DeAndre Ayton versus Skinny Nikola Jokic and uh, Skinny Nikola Jokic is 0-1 on the on the jump balls that really matter this for this year so it's a tough place to be Um, but Gary Harris needs to bounce back this is this is getting to a threshold of no return. Uh, the Nuggets have stuck by Gary Harris, and they trust him. They believe in him. His defense has been awesome for the most part. Uh, against Devin Booker, his defense was fantastic, and he really hounded Devin Booker to no end. Uh, Booker had eight turnovers tonight and was was really frazzled by the way that Gary was getting into him without fouling for, for the most part. Um, he even switched on to Chris Paul on occasion. Uh, thought he made his presence felt on a consistent basis and did a good job of hounding those ball handlers. But the fact of the matter is, is that Denver's starting shooting guard 
can't be a one-way player. Gary has to be capable of being a consistent shooter, of being a consistent cutter, and he's done a better job cutting this year, but the shooting is the most important aspect. When the Nuggets kick it out to their their fifth option, which is Gary Harris right now, when they kick it out to Gary Harris, they need to feel that he can shoot 40% from three, because anything less than that, and it's just not enough at this point. For a player that in a Nikola Jokic offense, in a in a Jamal Murray Nikola Jokic offense, they need their other guys to be able to shoot, pass, dribble, and defend. Uh, it can't just be one role. It can't just be two roles. It kind of has to be a multi-purpose player because the way that Denver runs their offense, they always have to be moving and cutting and filling other people's roles and whatnot. And Gary just hasn't been able to do that. It's a really tough thing because evaluating him from the prism of 2017-18 would say, yeah, he can definitely come back from this. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's been able to do. He was one of the brightest young stars at the shooting guard position just a couple years ago. And that's all true. It really is. But it's also true that that version of Gary Harris hasn't been around for a long time. And the Nuggets have had really tough situations where they've needed Gary to be a floor spacer. They've needed him to hit clutch shots. They've needed him to be able to create more than he does. And every time Gary shoots a three, the, the confidence factor in the team right now, it's just not high enough. And the Nuggets need to get to a place where when they kick it out to an open shooter, they feel like that guy can knock it down. And I fear that the that the current state of the team is that whenever Gary Harris takes a shot, it's not with the utmost confidence. And that can't happen. It just can't. You have to be very confident. You have to have the utmost confidence in your star and in your role players all the same, that they're going to execute when it's their time, when it's their job. If Gary can't do that, and if he continues to shoot at an abysmal rate, then the Nuggets are going to have to find somebody who can. And whether that's on the roster, whether it's by making a lineup change, whether it's by making a trade, finding somebody who's not on the roster, the Nuggets are going to have to do something. Uh, there's a reason why Jamal Murray, why Michael Porter Jr., why Nikola Jokic are being asked to do so much defensively this year. It's because Gary Harris was on the block. It's because... Jamal Murray's being asked to guard the players in front of him and being asked to do more as training for if Gary Harris isn't there anymore, then the, other, then the other Nuggets have to step up. The other Nuggets have to be able to contribute. And it's a really sad thing that at this point, Gary's probably on his last chance. This is the, the second to last year on his contract. Um, the Nuggets have already tried to trade him several times. And it's, it's a tough place to be. And it's a sad place to see from where Gary has come because he was quite literally one of the most lethal players off ball in the entire NBA in 2017-18. Uh, even before that too, but like mostly 17-18, he was lethal, just an absolute killer out there. And he was being compared to Kawhi Leonard with his progression. And it wasn't like a lie. It was it was completely legitimate. So it's a tough place to see him be. Um he's on his last chance. 
and the Nuggets are in a situation where they have championship or bust mentality. Uh, Michael Malone phrased it in a different way when he said that this team just wanted to be better than they were last year. But that means that they want to make it to the NBA Finals. That means that they want to win an NBA Finals. They want to be one of the last two teams standing at the very least. And it's not a failure if that doesn't happen, although it, it technically is. But, like, they need to be in a situation where they feel like the group that they have can get them back there. And I don't think that they feel that way. I don't think that they feel that way with Will Barton right now either. Uh, Barton is in a situation where he came back off of his off of his injury, uh, looked moderately to mildly explosive, not like extremely explosive, not all the way back from where he was, but he was doing a lot of good things. He was making the most of the the situations that he was in. Started the year off pretty well. Ever since the start of the year, he's kind of tailed off more and more. And it kind of culminated in a really ugly performance tonight. Uh, two points, five rebounds, four assists. You like the extra production. Had a steal and a block. I thought he did have a couple of good moments defensively out there. Uh, one of seven from the field. Seven shots when the bench is struggling as much as they are to score pu- to score buckets. And Barton not being able to really contribute there. That's an issue. He's the guy that the bench needs to step up. They need him to be the guy that kind of steps up and and asserts himself and says, I am the best player on this bench unit, and I am going to get my buckets, and I am going to generate the offense that we need to sustain. And he hasn't been able to do that. And there's been a lot of pressure on him to come back, and asking him to do that immediately when he comes back is a really tough thing for sure, because he hadn't played basketball, like legitimate basketball, since March. So it's a tough thing to ask of anybody, let alone somebody put into those situations. But the fact of the matter is that the Nuggets did try to trade for Drew Holiday. They did try to put themselves into a situation where they upgraded, and Barton could have been in that deal. They didn't necessarily want him to be, but it's very possible that he wasn't on the roster by this season. He has a player option at the end of the year. He is currently playing for a contract. He's currently in a situation where he wants to do the same, the best things for the team, but also the best things for himself. And he needs to prove to teams that he can get buckets still, that he is Willie B. Buckets, that he is an offensive engine on a second unit, or even with the starters, that he can continue to contribute. Right now, quietly, uh, Barton is shooting 28% from three, 29%. 37% from the field. Um, He has had 12 assists compared to uh, just three turnovers, so he's got a really sparkling assist-to-turnover ratio for sure. Um, But he hasn't fit in where needed. The Nuggets need more from him. They need him to be, if he wants to be, a starter-level player, somebody who the Nuggets continue to rely upon every single night, they need to have it. They need to have it from him. He, They want him to be that guy. Like I, I think that there is a legitimate feeling within the Nuggets that they want him to start next to Michael Porter Jr., have Barton at the two, in between Murray and Porter. That may not happen if, if Barton isn't doing the things that he needs to do. It may not happen if Porter isn't doing the things he needs to do either. 
the Nuggets are going to need somebody to be a consistent defender, somebody who's picking up the scoring on the bench offense, somebody who's picking up the scoring when they're playing with the starters, uh, surrounding uh, the, the Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll and spacing the floor really well. Barton's not meeting that criteria right now. I think he will by the end of the year. It's just the first five games of the year, and it's probably tough to draw significant conclusions from something like that. But it is a fact of the matter. I hope he continues to bounce back because I like his game. I think he I think he's a wing that that needs to be on the floor when the Nuggets are at their best. When they're in that situation, they feel like they can rely upon him. And I certainly hope that's the case. We haven't seen it in the playoffs yet for obvious reasons, but I think the Nuggets are waiting for that to really figure things out. But they can't wait that long. They need that guy to show up right now so that they can get some wins, so that they can put together a stretch of games that they feel like is is within their grasp, that they can settle down and say, hey, it, it is early. One and four is really tough, but if we're four and four at the end of this next three games, then they feel pretty good. Then they can at least relax. The sky is not falling. Barton's on a second chance there. He needs to be in that sec he needs to be in that position to help this team succeed. Last player to talk about, Michael Porter Jr. Uh really tough stuff with the contact tracing with COVID. Uh it's a tough timing. Denver needs all of the chemistry that they can get with their top three guys with Murray Porter Jokic. Um Porter's averaging 19.5 points per game on 69% true shooting. That's pretty nice. That's pretty good. You love to see it from a guy like him. Uh, just his second year, he's had up and down situation, hasn't always had the shots, but when they have come, he's taken and made them. And you like to see it from a guy like that who's extremely talented. Been in James Harden rumors lately. The Nuggets aren't in that situation because they believe in Michael Porter Jr.'s talent, pairing well with Murray and Jokic. I believe that too. I think it's a better fit than Harden, and I think it's actually pretty easy to see. He just needs to come out, and he needs to find out how to play this defense, man. Like There are just so many moments where he just looks lost on the court, or he gets so frustrated that he just forgets to do everything. And it's those moments that make you so frustrated as a coach, if you're Malone, because the talent is there that if he just engaged in a proper way every single time down the floor, he has the talent to be a good, impactful defender on top of doing all of the great things offensively. He needs to buy in. They need to, they need to fully get into the situation that if if he can continue to contribute and continue to get better as the year goes along and they're still winning while they're doing it, they're going to put themselves in such great position to win a championship this year. It might not happen. They might still be in a situation where, where they feel like, oh man, we just have to add one more guy or two more guys or whatnot. But if Michael Porter Jr. can realize his potential and can realize that at the same time that Murray and Jokic can do their thing, and Harrison Barton can do their thing, if all of these things click together at the right moment, then Denver's going to still be a very dangerous team. They need another chance to do that. 
And my fear is that if the Nuggets do get this thing back on track without Porter in there, that they continue to go with the starting lineup that they know well. That they go with Harris, they go with Barton, despite the fact that there's a real ceiling with those guys in there. And Michael Malone just trusts what he knows and that he doesn't give Porter a second chance to really earn it. I think he's got to do that. I think he's got to lean into it. If you lean into the weird, if you trust the young player, if you cultivate that talent as best you can, if Porter then meets you halfway, then you've got something really special. And we can forget about this dreaded 1-4 start. Because it's not a lot of fun to lose. Denver has a lot of situations where they're really fun to watch. They're really fun to... And they, they just enjoy the game. They, they play together. They generate this unbelievable offense with all of the talented shot-making that they have. Jokic and Murray were doing some incredible things against the Phoenix Suns. Jokic and Porter were doing some incredible things against the Kings. If they could combine that all together, just give it another chance. Just give it one more. See how it goes. Give it the chance for the season. If it sucks, then pivot. Everybody knows what kind of talent Michael Porter Jr. has. You gotta see if he can realize it. You gotta see if he can turn that potential into production. Because if he can, this team turns into something drastically different. And you start to forget that the struggles happened in the first place. That's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate everybody's time. Enjoy your new year. Make good resolutions and try to follow through on them. I'm going to do my best. At some other points, I'll let people know what my resolutions are, but uh, it's pretty personal, so I'm trying to to figure that out and have a grand old time. Uh, But everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. Talk to you guys next week.